Went to church on December 14th, 1986. The night before, I had had a very eventful circumstance in a pickup truck at exit 199, Highway 82 and I-30 in New Boston, Texas. And in that moment, on that on-ramp, coming on to I-30, I believe that was the moment I gave my life to the Lord. The next day, I went public. The next day, I walked down the aisle. The next day, I stood in front of that church. And as awkward as it was, as I went down at the invitation, I think I was the only one that went down that day. I have no clue what they preached. None whatsoever. Because I was already going down. If they had just said, we're going home, I said, no, wait, I'm, going, I'm coming down. <laughs> because I knew in that moment I had to. I knew in that moment I had to make it public. I know the song. I know the invitation song, Wherever He Leads, I'll Go. That was the invitation song I remember from that many years ago. I remember that part. But now I'm saved. And you go, well, I thought you preached on this last week. Saved, now what? Saved is something God did in my life. Regeneration. Conversion, I've got some say-so in. Conversion of how I begin to look and act and move forward, converting, changing from that day forward. Conversion. Now what? No question being born again is a mysterious act of God. It really can't be explained. Grace can't be explained, really. The only closest I could ever get to that trying to articulate that to someone, and, and sometimes it's even hard when a person has never had children, but what it's like when a child is born into your home and there is unconditional love that you can't explain. They've earned nothing. Matter of fact, if it was owned that as they grow older, it actually that you'd be taking things away from them, not adding to. But it's unconditional. You can't help it. Because it's who you are. Now, I'm not, I'm not saying every parent does that. You know that. And unfortunately, that's not the case. And it's a tragedy, a tra tra travesty, tragedy, something. You know what I'm trying to say. When it's not. When it's not that way. But it's mysterious. Almost unexplainable. Jesus says in John 3 to Nicodemus again, we mentioned last week, and many of you know this almost by heart, but Jesus replied to Nicodemus asking about being born again or what he had to do. He said, very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. Nicodemus asked, how can someone be born when they are old? Surely they not, cannot enter a, a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of heaven unless they are born of water and spirit. There's something unusual. You can't do anything in this sense. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit 
gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. He goes on, you can see the effects of the wind. You just can't see the wind. I've said this to people for years. How do you become born again? I I tell people, don't do anything. You go, well, what do you mean by that? Well, I refer to Romans 1, 18 and 19, where Paul is writing. He says, he said, he's talking about the evil, those who are evil. He said, by suppressing the truth, since what, since what may be known about God to them is plain to them, because God has made it plain to them. And what he's saying is, by them suppressing the truth, by the truth wanting to come and make a difference in their life, by the truth wanting to come and bubble up, I almost think of it that way. It's wanting to almost like bubble up like an old faithful geyser at Yellowstone. It's wanting to come up, but they suppress it. I tell people, if you want to be born again, just quit suppressing. <laughs> I know that's oversimplification. But what God is wanting to do in your life, stop fighting Him. What God is wanting to do in your, in your life, and it may be circumstances, it may be all kinds of, get off of it. Just back up and go, let it blow up on me. As mysterious as it is, Its intent is to affect everything about us. As I said last week, if, if Jesus just wanted us to get on to heaven, why doesn't he take us out the moment that, he, that we're saved? It's in John 10, 10, as I've already shared with you last week, and you know that verse that, that, that Jesus has come and may have life and have it abundantly now and eternity. It's both. But when, when, we're re, when we're regenerated, when we're born again, it affects the whole person. It is just an effect, well, now I go to church. I'm now spiritual. That's not what that's... It's, uh, 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, If anyone is in Christ, if anyone is in Christ, he is a what? New creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Being born again, I know there are times I've heard people give their testimony that they've had to come down and get resaved over and over again. I don't really think that's what you're supposed to do. I don't think so. I think it's a one time event in that sense. But the reality is sometimes we don't know exactly. I've asked, because see, I can tell you December 13th, 1986, December 14th, 1986, those two days there of what God did and what, how he transformed me. But for some of you, you got saved as a child. Some of you kind of gradually worked your way into it. And what I mean by that is there was no big event. You don't even remember the day. You just know you turned your life over to the Lord. You kind of worked your way into it. And I don't mean that in a again, minimizing way or simplistic way. It's just you don't really remember this event. Does that make sense? Because I think some of you in here are sitting in here knowing what I'm talking about. For me, it's different. You've, you've heard enough. It was in a moment. 
and I can mark it down. But either way, regeneration, there should be something different. We saw it last week as Zacchaeus, something different. Some people, I think, come to Christ, or at least come to that moment of what we hope is born again, regeneration. But the unfortunate thing is they ask, what is the minimal requirement? Oh, what's the least I have to do to be saved? It's kind of like asking your spouse if you're married. What's the least I have to do to be married to you? <laughs> what's the minimal requirement? What can I get away with and we still be married? So what should it look like? Well, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it, but just briefly to remind you of what I shared with you last week. We should be growing, being transformed. Zacchaeus was transformed immediately. We don't know all this story, but we know immediately he began to think different. He became generous. We know that. He became repentant. If I did, if I cheated, if I want to make it correct now, because I've been in the presence of Jesus And by being in the presence of Jesus and by walking with him and getting in his way, as we talked about last week, he intentionally got in Jesus' way where Jesus could see him. Our desire is going to be to grow. And it may involve, it'll be involved, we've talked about in Romans 12, 1 and 2, it'll involve changing the way you think. For some of it, you may have to step away from some things for a while, or you may have to burn the bridge and never be able to go back to it again. But we know Zacchaeus wasn't given a list of things. We don't see anything about that. He had these, Jesus said, go do that, that, and that. No, I believe he walked out of there just changed, knowing he wanted to live like Jesus. But you may have to re-examine, or you would no, you may, you will have to examine. I hope if you've been a Christian 30 years, you're still examining it. What are the things that are influencing me, that are in, taking me not where I want to go? And what are things I need to get into my life that will take me where I want to go? You will never outgrow that. And for some of you, especially on the growing part, uh, the, the other part we talk about here is gathering, giving, and going. I'll talk about it in just a minute. For some of you, gathering, okay, I'll go to church. That's what I do. It's been a habit. I'll do that. But that doesn't necessarily mean you're growing. You may even give and you may even tithe. That necessarily mean you're growing. And we're trying to do things here from Sunday morning to Wednesday nights in some different ways that we'll be even hopefully rolling out over the next six months or so of ways for you to grow. But at the end of the day, friend, you need to take the initiative to make sure you can grow. This day and age, this day and age, you've got so many options to grow in your faith. But I would just caution you, some of you listen to so many different voices, good voices, really good voices but you're not putting any of it into practice. 
Some of you may just need to listen to one podcast a week. Or you may even just need to listen to your pastor preach. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and not compare me to all those awesome preachers you've been listening to. <laughs> and just try putting that into works. Just try that. I heard a pastor one time, he kept preaching the same sermon four or five weeks in a row. And finally, the elders or deacons came to him and said, man, you've been preaching that thing four or five weeks in a row. And he said, when you start living this one out, I'll go on to the next sermon. <laughs> I think that's good preaching. As I said earlier, wouldn't it be an awesome place if with anticipation and excitement you came every Sunday and basically started where I said the AA people start with, you come here every week in this gathering knowing that something, who's going to get saved this week? Who's going to get sanctified this week? Whose life that was in trouble is going to get turned around this week? Who, 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 who? And I want to be a part. I don't want to miss anything. Please don't just come in and say, this week I just got to get my fix on. What if we come in every week with an anticipation of what God can do, not only in my own life, but in the life of people around me, people that are hurting. And maybe he, just maybe he might even use me to walk across the room. Just maybe. Giving immediately and I know he was a tax collector so money was probably on the forefront of his mind but immediately Zacchaeus gave I want to say something to those of you who and just so you know we look at giving here at renovation and time talent treasure and I said last week love equal to any other worship we do in here Giving of your finances, I believe, is equal that with the other parts that we do here right. in that sense. Mm -hmm. But I just want to say to those of you, especially those who committed back in the end of January, February, in our six-month challenge, thank you for what you did. It was awesome. I, we hope we're going to be able to capture some stories because we know there, there are some. We know they've been told to us and we probably should have already done that. We haven't yet. I want to apologize for that. But I want to say thank you for those who committed to that. It was phenomenal to see what God is doing. I would love to hear more of what God's doing in your life. Those who committed in giving that six-month challenge. But I also want to say today a thank you. I'm going to name some names, and I want to be careful here because I'm sure I'm going to leave somebody out. And I'm just going to use first names, but you'll know who they are. Thank you, Babs and Mary Lou and Donna and Gino and Judy and Jimmy. Especially you guys, and I know there are others younger, but I just want to say thank you to you for hanging in here. And continue to give all these decades, decades, and time, talent, and treasure so that some of these folks could walk in here in 2019. You're not forgotten. You're more appreciated than you can imagine.
I just want you to tell, tell you how much we love you and appreciate what you did and what you've done. Proverbs eleven twenty four says, The world of the generous gets larger and larger. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. We want to be a church where the people we're rubbing shoulders with, their world's getting larger and larger. And going daily, just that urgency for others. You know how this church is really going to grow. We can do all the social media and all the PR that marketing we're going to do. And I mean marketing in a good way, not in the secular way, but in the marketing of, of making him known, to become known, to make him known. That's the marketing we're talking about, to become known, to make him known. Not for us to be known, but for him to be known. But I believe the way this church will ultimately, if it's going to grow, if it's going to, is going to be by you people having this urgency for others. That you can't help but tell about what you've seen and heard. Not here, about him. About Jesus. It's always about Jesus. We can do all the things here that might be cool. And we've got a great campus, I think. And it's going to get even better, I think, in the aesthetics part of it. We, I think the worship was awesome this morning. Preaching halfway decent. But let me tell you, at the end of the day, it's Jesus. It's Jesus. Keep pointing them to Jesus. It's Jesus. But with all that said, I read in Scripture some troubling words at times to my soul. Matthew 7, 13 and 14, Jesus' words, Enter through the narrow gate, for, the wide, for wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow is the road that leads to life, Zoe, life, as in John 10, 10, life. And only a few find it. That should cause us pause. Or Mark, Jesus' words again in the parable of the sower, as it's commonly known. Mark 4, 14 through 20. I'm going to read to you out of the message. You may not have it on your, on your, uh, in your Bible, on your electronic device, but uh, immediately, but listen to these words. The farmer plants the word. Some people are like the seed that falls on the hardened soil of the road. No sooner do they hear it, the word that Satan snatches away, they hear the word that Satan, then Satan snatches away that what has been planted for them. Sorry about that. And some are like the seed that lands in the gravel. When they first hear the word, they respond with great enthusiasm, but there is such shallow and soul of character and that when the, 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 when the motions wear off and some difficulty arrives, there's nothing to show for it. The seed cast in the weeds represents the ones who hear the kingdom news but are overwhelmed by the worries of the world, all the things that they have to do and all the things they want to get. The stress strangles what they heard and nothing comes of it. But the seed planted in the good earth represents those who hear the word. I love this. Embrace it. Embrace it. Hear the word. Embrace it. And produce a harvest beyond their wildest dreams.
The Apostle Paul writes, 2 Corinthians 13, 5, Examine yourself to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you? Unless, of course, you fail the test. A.W. Tozer says this, It is my opinion that tens of thousands, if not millions, have been brought into some kind of religious experience by accepting Christ, and they have never been saved. See, I am convinced that there are people who have been converted to Christianity but have never really been saved. And what I mean by that, they believe in the teachings. It's better than what they've had. They want to follow after that, but they've never had a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. There's actually religions that are kind of set up on that. They're converted to the faith, but not being faithful or living by faith in the one and only Jesus Christ and empowered by the Holy Spirit, which we'll talk more about next week. They've been converted to the ideals and thoughts because they look at it and go, that's right. That makes sense. But they have no power to live it out. As I said last week, not only does Christ come into our life and empower us to be, I mean, not only does he come into our life and forgive us of sin, he empowers us to have dominion over sin. He gives us the power to witness Because we've talked about before, when you're born again, even though you had eyes to see before, you have a new set of eyesight. You had ears to hear before, but now you have a new way of hearing. You had feet that would go and walk before, but now you have feet that would go somewhere they never would have went before. You have a tongue that spoke way too much, probably, sometimes with gossipy tongue. Now speaks words as the Spirit draws it from your mind out of your mouth because of what has been stored up in your heart. Something changed. Something's different. See, to me, theologically, and and maybe somebody may correct me on this, but regeneration or born again and conversion are the two sides of the same coin in this sense. They should go together. If we're born again, conversion to a new way of living should be immediate and take time. We said here over and over, I'm transformed and I'm being transformed. And it'll continue the rest of my life. God has changed me and he is changing me. And he will change me as I walk by faith. Dallas Willard says, many people think of Jesus as our Savior, as the one who will get us into heaven. So the question often is, have I accepted Jesus as my Savior? But we never ask the question, have I accepted Jesus as my teacher? And that's the real question. The New Testament was written by disciples, about disciples, for disciples. Go into all the world, Jesus says, and do what? Make, make what? Make people saved so they'll feel better? 
that's just not what he said. Go into all the world and make disciples, people who follow my teaching and want to become like me. Let me finish this. I'm getting got sidetracked there. So with disciples, it began there. They began by accepting him as their teacher and then by accepting him as their savior, which I think is interesting. And you can argue with Willard on this or not, which included, of course, their eternal destiny was a natural outflow of that. But they started with Jesus as their teacher because we all have to learn how to live. Jesus says, follow me. To me, conversion is basically saying being born again is beginning to do what Jesus says. Beginning to find what he said and applying it. Figuring out what he said and not trying to talk myself out of it. If you listen, what I love about the parable of the sower, and again, Jesus speaking on that, and I'm just reading, says those who hear the word embrace it. I think in the other translation it says they measure it. In other words, you measure it. You go, how much of this do I want? How much of this am I going to apply? How much of this am I going to take in and actually do something with? I'm going to measure it. But Eugene Peterson says they embrace it. I love what the interpretation of the word here means. The Greek, it says they grasp what it has to say, but they keep on hearing. So what, it, what I love the way it says, it says, meaning there's a continuous listening and applying. And it's critical for both. A continually hearing, a continually applying conversion. Not just saved, and don't misunderstand that I, you don't think that I'm minimizing being saved, but converting to applying this and using it in my life. And no doubt there are times, just so you know, I don't like what I hear. Am I the only one that way? Am I the only one in here that when I read the Word and I listen to the Spirit, when I hear it come into my life, am I the only person in here that says, I don't like what that says? I don't like what he just told me that I've got to burn that bridge even. Uh, I don't like that. I like that bridge. Well, I like what's on the other side of the bridge. But I believe one of the things that's a sure sign of you being converted and following after Christ or being transformed is that you begin to listen and you begin to try to live it out. You quit making provision for sin. You stop making provision for the flesh. You stop going, how can I figure out how to keep this in my life? That's one sign. Am I propping up provision for sin to be in my life?
When you begin to yield, you begin to know. Yield to what the Spirit's saying. And I do believe, as I was listening to Gordon McDonald this week, I love the way he said it. He said, I believe there's multiple conversions in your life. Not multiple salvations, not multiple regeneration, not multiple, but conversion. If you were saved as a child, there's a point you're going to have to convert that faith to a teenager with all your hormones and all the things that's going on and all the peer pressure. Because what faith you had there with with almost unimaginable creativity even and this faith that you had in Jesus Jesus uh, it's sharing with someone that someone shared with me this week where a child grabbing their face going through a troubled time looking them in the eye and saying it's going to be okay with us and Jesus from the mouth of babes but when you're 13, 14, may come earlier now, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, you're going to have a hard time that only being it. There's going to have to be a conversion to a new level of faith. Then you get to college. And no matter how hard you've lived it out, I heard a Christian comedian said one time he went off to college to get a testimony. I'm not sure you're supposed to do that, but... But in this day and age, it depends on what college you go to, not just from the teachers, but from the people you hang out with. You're going to have to have maybe have a different level of faith. There's not the surrounding you had before your local church or maybe your parents or all those things. Now you're on your own out here. And as a young adult, you're trying to navigate this. Where do I meet people? Where is it out there late at night? Or where do I meet people? And it becomes a different level of faith. And then once you maybe, maybe hopefully get through that, then what am I going to do with my life? What, I've done all this. I've got to be 22, 23, 24, 25. What is the call on my life? I'm going to have to convert to a whole new way of thinking and looking and going, what am I going to do with my life? So this faith has to take on a whole different level, a different conversion to it, a whole different level in your walk. Then you get, maybe get married, and then all of a sudden you have children. Now i got to know what my values are in a whole different way because they don't just apply to me anymore. Now they apply to multiple other people. Even though they did before, by the way. Sin, no one sins alone. And then you get to be 60 or 70 or 80. What do I believe about heaven? We don't talk about it as much at 30 or 40, do we? Well, at 60 or 70, now I have to have this faith that all this life I've lived and that God is not done with me. He is not done with me. One of my good friends... Jack Perriott, I loved, he was, he was bedridden for so many years at the end of his life. I don't know, Jack had to be in his 80s, I would guess, Jan, somewhere in there. But I, rem, I remember hearing just even, because I did his memorial, but I love what he was, every caretaker they sent in to him, he tried to lead them to Jesus. They weren't, he wasn't done with Jack. They weren't done with him. God wasn't done with him. Everybody who walked in heard about Jesus. But there's these conversions that we have to continue to grow in our faith. We have to continue to step up because the faith that worked there doesn't work here anymore. Does that, does that make sense? 
I'm not trying to just get an amen this morning, uh, even though I, 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 I wish I could. Uh, no, but no. The one thing you know about me, I'm going to preach whether you say anything or not. So if you showed up, you're getting the whole thing. I love what Dallas Willard says in the same book that the other one came from. Disciples are those who have been so ravished with Christ that others want to be like them. Think about that. Just leave that up there. Just leave that up there for a while. Where does it start? Again, Gordon MacDonald's statement, he, he contends that repentance is the most important single event in life for a person who chooses to follow Christ. Because repentance is about Transparency, humility, and the recognition that we are powerless and we need a forgiver. It's about transparency, about humility, and about the reality that we are powerless in our own to forgive what we've been through up to this point. And we need a forgiver. Unfortunately, Gordon McDonald will go on to say he contends that the church is the worst place to do that. Oh, AA meetings are great for it. CR meetings are great for it. But unfortunately, the church doesn't have enough converts that you can confess to what's going on in your life without it being gossip. Are they judging you? That's part of the reason why we can't walk in here every week saying what we said earlier. And that's part of the reason why it makes it so hard preaching sometimes is that I almost have to try, whoever is up here has to preach you down where AA starts at. And you take three or four minutes to try to build you back up at the end. I'd rather be three or four minutes reminding us of every one of us walks in here flawed and broken. We're being transformed. We have been transformed. We're being transformed. But we are lost without him. We are lost without him. And we walk in with the pride and everything that we think we've got figured out and the control that we think we want to, 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 to unleash on not only our own lives but on other people's lives. When we think that, there's no way we can sing the songs that we sing or receive the word that we need to receive. It is repentance. It starts with repentance every day. I remember in Texarkana, Josiah, I'm going to ask you guys to come on down, but in Texarkana, I remember every Sunday we used to have family altar time. 20 minutes into the service, 
That's back when people didn't care when you got out from church, so we'd take that time. Every Sunday that I can remember, we went to the altar. Jan and I would go if she wasn't in the choir, and me and the kids, because the kids would go to children's church after that. And you can say, why would you do that? Is that kind of trying to show, or are you trying to lead somebody else down there? What I will say is, it reminded me where I started from. It reminded me of a place to start from. The soil was more fertile that way. From singing and hearing the word. If I start there. And I wanted to teach my kids as an example. To start there. talk about it in our mission, our mission statement here in 1 Thessalonians 5. It says, by the power of the Holy Spirit and deep conviction, these people became the, the church in Thessalonica became the model. Deep conviction. The conviction of the Holy Spirit of the unacceptable things in our life. And the conviction of where we are headed has an eternal purpose. And since that's the case, what you do every day matters. How you walk through this world matters. It just does. As I said last week, for some of you, you've been saved way too long. And what I mean by that is you've lost your first uh, love. Jesus says in Revelation 2 to the church at Ephesus, he says the fire is going out. He says, return to your first love or I'll remove that lampstand. But what does he say? Repent. Whoever has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit has to say. That's Jesus' words. It starts with repentance. Agreeing with God. I'm not going to say it's easy, but agreeing with him and surrendering. I know through this series, I keep coming back to surrender, but I don't know where else to come to. Won't you stand with me, please, those who can? some of you today I hope and pray that this maybe helped you as I was praying yesterday and Friday as I was kind of changing the message up and was going in a whole different direction I believe the Lord I felt like was saying you need to speak on conversion the reason some people may be capped it's because they've quit converting. They've quit walking by faith. They've quit moving when they should have moved. At 16, peer pressure kept me from a lot of things. But man alive, at 60, I can't even worry about that. <laughs> it's surrender, repentance. Get up and let's start moving again. 
beside him are going to lead us in an invitation time. If you've never accepted Christ as your Savior, and you believe there are circumstances and things that have been pulling you and wooing you, not the preacher, not the music, not, but something has been moving, and you sense this something internally that you can't explain, and I can't explain it for you. I'd ask you to come publicly and kneel at these altars and we'll pray with you. I'm going to ask you, if you're like the church at Ephesus, and you may hear the Spirit say, all these good things you've been doing, but this, you've walked away from your first love. Him. But I want to make sure this morning you may not be able to do that. If you wouldn't mind bowing your heads, and if you are here this morning, and you want to say, I want to accept Christ as my Savior, I want to ask if you would raise your hand high. I truly want to accept Him as my Savior. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I see your hand. Because this matters. This matters. Lord, help us right now. Some may have raised their hand and they don't feel like they can come to the altars this morning. It just, that's just too big of a step, Lord. I pray that you'd give them courage if they can. But give them confidence that you saw their hands if they can't. This day. There will be a day. But Lord, I pray across this room for those who are the fire has gone out or at least it's dying, that they would come this day at these altars and just surrender. Repent, your word says, and return to the appreciation and the love we have for you. Lord, I pray right now for those who lifted their hands for the first time that they would just in their The word says that we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart. We shall be saved. We confess that you are who you say you are. That you have been raised from the dead. It's mysterious, we know. But there's nothing like it. And it's unexplainable unless you experience it. Lord, I pray right now as we sing that you would lead your people and they would respond as you lead them.